Ladies and gentlemen, episode 10 of the official Red Pack Boys podcast. My name is Ben McClellan. As always, I've got my good friend Cameron Miller beside me. Cameron, how's it going? And can you believe we have made it this far? Ben, I'm very good. Thank you so much, as always, for having me uh, join you and talk a little TFC and Red Patch Boys. Um, no footy this weekend for, for me. The uh, TFC boys are off, and I just saw the Liverpool game get canceled yeah. due to uh, fan protest on the pitch. It's been a wild couple of weeks of fans and football. I think that's a perfect uh, segue into today's show. Absolutely. Yeah. No, no question about that. There's certainly a weird story there uh, in Manchester for the Man U and Liverpool match. But uh, as you mentioned, speaking of fans in football this morning, the Engraved on a Nation um, supporters episode, uh, Toronto FC supporters episode was on uh, TSN and uh, came out a few years ago. I remember watching it on the debut, but as you mentioned, this is your first time watching it. What What are your initial thoughts there? Yes, I am house sitting, so I have uh, I got cable right now, so I get to watch all these more organically seen shows versus everything on a subscription. Uh, so it was it was great to see one. Oh man, do I miss games in the stadium? I miss BMO. I miss everyone. I miss all of you people out there. Um, I got chills watching some of those games, some of those goals, just the celebrations with people. Um, and I saw some friendly faces uh, in the in one twelve, uh, and the other supporters groups as well. So it was fantastic to see. Uh, so if you haven't seen Engraved on a Nation, uh, check it out um, on TSN. It was a a great little reminder of the special moments we've had in the past few seasons, uh, both heartbreak and uh, jubilation. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember the first time watching it. Uh, so many memories. And I mean, the time it came out, we weren't dealing with all this COVID-19 BS and we still were able to go to matches, but uh, certainly a lot of fond memories watching that. I know the first thing I was doing when I watched that was looking for me and my dad and a whole bunch of the clips, as many as I could find. Um, you make it into the show, I think three or four times for sure. A few times <laughs> Joe's, a few times in the stadium. Um, you look good. You look you look like you uh, you belong there. So it was nice to see some of the uh, the leadership there as well. Um, Physic was on there. Our good friend Renda with his majestic beard. Um, and of course, uh, Gary Tobin, our coach, seeing his collection there. That really warmed my heart, just, just seeing coach there. Uh, and just like babying the supporters' uh, shield. Uh, I, I, I did uh, have a flashback to seeing us hold that in the stands and taking photos with it. And I just, I, I think it's, it was a reminder of everything we do as fans and, and uh, the celebration we get when it all goes right. Absolutely. So many cool spots in that uh, special, I guess, documentary, if you want to call it. Um, and seeing all of our friends that we haven't been able to see for over a year now and, uh, so many cool memories and stories and, and just roots of how not only our supporters group began in the Red Patch Boys, but all the other supporters groups as well. And seeing all those familiar faces, uh, certainly very cool. And uh, I can't talk about, I can't say enough about how they did Renda's beard 
justice in that in that show. It's it's incredible. Yeah, we're officially changing this podcast focus from the Schaffelberg Sandcast to uh, Rund's beard. <laughs> yeah, sounds about right. I don't think he'd have any objections to that. Um, I didn't. I didn't make the video. Actually, I did make the video through video. It was very meta. I'm. I'm in the video of the drum exploding in Ottawa. I was standing next to it um, when. Oh, I was standing in front of them. And so, as soon as they pop smoke, you can see me walking away because I was like, "Oh God, I don't want to get blasted in the face by this." And as I'm walking away, the drum explodes. So you can see me walking away. <laughs> it's an absolute idiot. But, yeah, that's. Uh, we don't need to go too deeply into <laughs> into that. Uh, Please, nobody call the front office. We don't need Cam getting in any uh, in any garbage. No, I, there's footage. I have footage of it. It's so funny. <laughs> so I, the footage I had of it, I'm filming it, and I'm you know cheering and chanting, and then you see the flare get thrown over my head onto the pitch, and I turn around and say, "What are you doing, you idiot? It's turf." And then as I'm doing that, I start walking away, and then the explosion. Uh, so I was. Uh, I was proven by my own hand to not have been involved in that. Um, yeah. But it was, it was a sad thing to see, but again, it was all about going and supporting. So um, that's what we want to emphasize today is that experience and um, doing these things together, you know, even on great the nation, that trip down to Mexico, I'm just eternally jealous. I didn't get to go to that trip. Uh, so everyone who got to go to that, that's awesome. And I, I kind of want to put a call out for anyone who has some some stories about away days. I know we heard our, our president, uh, Brad, talking about organizing away days. So maybe a call out for anyone who has an away day story and they want to share it. Uh, I think Ben and I would love to hear that. Um, what do you think about that, Ben? Absolutely. I would love that. And I mean, I know me and Cam have both had our own uh, special away day stories. I know I've been to Columbus, New Jersey, Ottawa, list goes on, really. Uh, so we all have some cool memories about that. And if you have any, uh, please let us know. We'd love to talk to you about it. We'd love you to tell us about it. And we'd love to maybe have you on here too, to tell us some of your best memories about away day stories. Cause I know we all have our own great memories for those. Um, going forward, you had the idea this morning of pro- proposing a red patch boys five aside tournament. What, uh, what was going on through your head there, Cam? <laughs> Well, watching Engraving the Nation, um, uh, Coach is wearing a sweater that says the uh, Red Patch Boys Challenger Cup. And I don't know if that was associated with a like internal uh, football tournament, uh, but it just jogged my memory saying, I know I saw on the forums a few times that people had organized uh, a team in a local league. And I, I've always wanted to organize a small-sided tournament within the Red Patch Boys. Um you know, anyone of any skill, this is open to it. It's more about having fun and kicking a ball around. Um, maybe we can get something done through the team when everything gets picked up again um, at the uh, BMO training grounds at Downsview Park because about two years ago, I want to say, they did organize something for the supporters clubs and, and we got to play each other. Uh, big respect to you sector uh, pulling off the victory in that tournament. Um, it was like a handful of guys, like five guys, and they played like I think five games um, and they ended up taking down. Um, oh, which team was it? Trevor Nathan? I think so. It may have been a, a, one of those clubs, but uh, red patch boys, we, we did not have a good showing uh, three losses and no goals. Um, I, I did everything I could to, to will us to victory, but we were, uh, we were hampered. We, we didn't have too many people come out and it was a very cold and windy day. Um, and Pete can, uh, 
can back me up on that one. So yeah, I just think I'd like to get us all playing the sport we love uh, together and get a good run around. It might be a good way to, to have everyone meet each other um, uh, outside of the forums or outside of the stadium. So yeah, I think I'd love to get that going. So maybe we throw something on the, the forums and try and get some, some feedback on what we've done in the past for these types of things. Uh, but let's get a little uh, tournament going. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a, it's a tremendous idea. And I think we could all not only just use the uh, seeing each other because God knows how long it's been since we've seen each other in person, uh, but being able to run around, kick a ball around would be terrific and hopefully get the team involved, maybe have players as our coaches or something like that. I know, I think that's what they did for that tournament that you're referring to a few years back. Unfortunately, I couldn't be there, but uh no, a tremendous idea. I'd certainly be all for that. And I imagine uh, a few of our listeners would probably be into that idea as well. Uh, hopefully as soon as things start to uh, loosen up a little bit. On the Toronto FC front, Toronto FC, no game this weekend. So a bit quiet kind of right now in Toronto FC land. Uh, we did have our game last Tuesday against Cruz Azul in the CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, dropped that one 3-1. We go to Mexico City this week, uh, Tuesday night again, late start, 10 o'clock kickoff. Um, down 3-1 aggregate. Uh, those three goals are road goals. Kind of hard to, to put a finger on what might happen uh, this coming week in terms of lineups and who you might see on the pitch. It's, it's kind of all over the place. I think we've got a few different ideas. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to see what um, Armis is going to do. Do we see uh, Jefferson Soltado? Is he ready? He's on the website. He's on the roster. He's there. I know he flew down to Florida to join the boys. Um, I, I hope he plays. I don't know what the rules are around that. So you, you may have more insight there. Uh, but certainly splashing that cash and getting him in, they'll want to take every opportunity they can to win this game. Uh, so I think he either makes an appearance off the bench or starts because uh, we need him. <laughs> immensely. Absolutely. Yeah. Everything that I have seen and heard to this point suggests that he is eligible to make his debut on Tuesday evening. Um, whether we see him start or come off the bench, God only knows at this point. Uh, I don't know if Toronto FC is going to, roll out a full squad and, and try and challenge and hopefully win this thing. Or if they're going to say, you know what, it might be a bit of a tall hill to climb, maybe just look out for our starters, play the young guys, get them some valuable experience and, you know, just turn our focus to, to league play. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, the question is, does, has our leadership, uh, reserved ourselves to saying we're not going to win the game, uh, which I don't think they do. I think TFC goes into every match assuming that they have a chance to win it. We certainly did against uh, Club Lyon, and I think we're going to do the same um, in the uh, return leg uh, at Cruz Azul. So I think we go for it. it just, I just don't know who's going to start. <laughs> that, that's always the, the toughest question right now, uh, discussing the team. But I think what I would love to see uh, is most likely Bono again in net. I don't, they don't see a reason why they're going to change it as much as we've called for Westberg. I assume Bono is going to start there. Uh, Gonzalez in the back with um, Luke Singh, Oro Jr., and hopefully Larea on the wing on the right. And then in the midfield, we're going to see uh, 
Bradley and uh, Delgado. Um, hopefully we'll see um, up on the wing um, the Soltado and maybe uh, Schaffelberg. And then maybe up top, we're looking at uh, Joe Altador getting another start there. Uh, I don't know if I'm a shorter player. but I think you covered it as far as I know. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird question right now, and especially this year. We still don't know what's going on with a lot of injuries and whatnot. Um, I think you do see Chris Mavinga get a start. If they're serious about trying to go all in and, and winning this thing, I think you see Gonzalez and Mavinga starting at center half. Me personally, I'd like to see Westberg get thrown in there, but I think it'll probably be Bono. Uh, I imagine Aro Larea on the fullback positions. Uh, moving up to the midfield, Bradley and Delgado. I think Osorio will probably be in there. And then let's see, that leaves us at eight, 10, nine. And then you're probably looking at Sotato on the opposite wing. I think Osorio probably plays out wide. And then Altador up front, if, if my math adds up. We probably should have drawn this out beforehand, but... <laughs> <laughs> hindsight <laughs> Wait for the gms be like you guys only fielded 10 players i'm oh, sorry maybe we'll get a red i don't know we were foreseeing the future hopefully not yeah but it's certainly a big question around around injuries if you know we could be having a completely different conversation if pozuelo's healthy right let's and say knowing, that yeah knowing so the, our the luck, three players we knowing like our see injected into this team Knowing our luck, we'll probably see the injury report immediately after we stop recording. Uh, but, you know, that's that's the way she goes these days. Uh, but if if you've got Bezuelo, I think you, you probably see Bezuelo playing just behind Altador, uh, kind of like a center attacking mid type role, his natural role, really. And then... You know, Delgado, Bradley. Um, hell, you could even see Pozuelo as like a false nine. Yeah, it's going to be it's... interesting how they fit in um, Soltado and Pozuelo. How do those two really work together? As those are going to be the creative sparks in that midfield um, driving us forward. Um, you know, we want to inject as much talent into this lineup as possible. So exactly that. If we can get Mavinga in there, that's solid at the back. Gives Larea and Oro chances to bomb forward. Um, but I, I think, yeah, Schaffelberg gets the the hook on on there. Uh, Preso as well. You don't see them fitting into that midfield with, you know, a, a much more senior head um, like Bradley Delgado. Um so it's getting it's getting very very congested in that midfield, and you know you're seeing talks of Liam Frazier being loaned out, um, and getting some first team football. So this is what's going to happen is we're going to start seeing these young players who've been starting eleven to start the season start being pushed back into the reserves because that's uh, they are right now. Yeah, absolutely, and I think with that that Liam Frazier loan move, uh, this is his last year under contract with Toronto FC. So I think he gets loaned out to Columbus. I think that's it for his time with Toronto FC. I don't see any reason to, for him, you know, looking at it from Liam Frazier's standpoint for him to come back to this club, right. It's hasn't really been given the chance. He's, he's always been deemed as 
one of our guys of the future and he's just never been given the opportunity really other than a couple appearances off the bench and you know what can you make of those really if if he only gets five ten minutes in a game and you know it's like yeah he didn't make an impact because he never really had the chance you know, football is a cruel mistress. You've got to come in and make an immediate impact. And I've, I've always seen Frazier as coming in and just not having the same amount of uh, composure and grit that you're going to get from a Michael Bradley. And, you know, it, it, to, to live up to that standard is very difficult. Um, not that I think they're the exact same player, but uh, Frazier definitely didn't kick on in the way we'd hoped. Uh, and that's the nature of things. So tough, tough time. We're hopefully get to see uh, some more homegrown talents continue to grow and, and expand. Certainly plenty of those right now getting uh, a chance on the pitch with the likes of Marshall Ruddy, who I think hasn't even played much of a role yet this year, as much as I was expecting him to uh, really only that one assist in the Montreal game. Hasn't seen much other pitch other than that. So I'd really like to see him get a little more of a run, uh, but you're seeing guys like Jaden Nelson, you're seeing your Ralph Preso's uh, Noble Akello's right. So Good to see all those young guys stepping up into uh, very big roles so far here early on uh, and still a lot, you know, the season still holds a lot for us. We're only two league games in uh, three CONCACAF games in, and you know, you've got some people hitting the panic button. You've got others telling us to keep calm. Uh, it's really been up and down so far. I know it's only been five games, but it's it's hard to tell where this team's trajectory really is with with what we've seen so far. Yeah, I think it's it's been a lot of games in a short amount of time. Uh, at least that's from my perspective. It felt like it was every couple of days TFC were on the pitch. So hopefully this this break they've been giving themselves now gets a chance to rest and and recuperate uh, and reorganize. I think the biggest thing is we needed after that last game was a reorganize, especially the defense. So we will see what that organization does to the starting 11. Uh, but for us here, we're, we're making uh, speculations. And hopefully we're going to see some return uh, of some friendly faces in that 11. Absolutely. You can only hope that those injuries start to heal themselves up and we start to see some of our fresh faces uh, and familiar faces back in the lineup. Uh, you mentioned reorganizing the defense. Toronto FC linked um, a couple of rumors swirling around the interwebs, uh, mostly Brazilian sources in talks that Toronto FC is approaching Walter Kahneman from Gremio in Brazil. He is a center half, uh, certainly a spot of need for Toronto FC. Uh, we talked about it with Stephen Caldwell on our pod last weekend, and we talked about it on our match recap from Tuesday night, uh, discussing the need that Toronto FC has for a center back right now. Things looking a bit sloppy back there. Uh, you know, I mentioned that we really don't need to go overseas or, or get a foreign guy uh, to fill this role uh, that we can find somebody in the MLS. But uh, if, if all rumors hold true, Toronto FC uh, certainly going in strong uh, for Walter Kahneman. What are your thoughts on that, Kim? Well, they didn't cross the, the, the water to get him. They just went south, very, very south into Brazil for this player. Um, I was impressed by the number of N's he fit into his last name. That's four N's. That's very impressive. And it looks like even more with the M in the middle. So uh, right away, I'm immediately impressed. Uh, six foot uh, tall uh, center back, uh, 30 years old, 
you hope he brings a wealth of experience and knowledge to this back line. Uh, it looks like he's not played in any other countries that speak English. So communication is going to be key between him and Oro and, and getting him up to speed and organized quickly in terms of the, the language barrier. Uh, that's always a concern for me, having played uh, Ultimate Team in FIFA. <laughs> you want to make sure that those lines <laughs> are green. Um, so for me, this is a great move, especially if we get him in on a free. Uh, it could be a one-year rental and see how he does and, and look to, to replicate that. We saw that with uh, some of the signings uh, a few years back. Um, shades of Sheru coming in and sort of being a really impressive player that kind of no one expected. Um, and you want to see that replicated here. So I'm excited about it. If we did it financially savvy, even better. And this does give a bit more support to that wilting backline. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, personally, I'm not too up to it with Brazilian football, but from, from what I've seen on the research I've conducted after seeing these rumors, um, the fig, the dollar figure, I guess, of a transfer for Kahneman would have been around six or seven million dollars, and that immediately raised eyebrows amongst TFC supporters and and whatnot because of where are we getting that money from? Um, after just signing a designated player for about the same type of transfer fee, uh, apparently from everything what sounds, it would be a free transfer because I guess the processes are underway of terminating his contract with Gremio. Uh, I'm not sure of the ins and outs there. Uh, so it would be a free transfer. Um, as recently as the 2018-2019 season, he was being targeted by Arsenal uh, for a figure of about 12 million pounds. Um, so certainly intriguing. Uh, I think what kind of killed that transfer was he had a fractured some type of fracture in his vertebrae, which kept him out six weeks. So, I mean, when I hear fractured vertebrae, I immediately think, you know, a few months probably at the very least, but I guess six weeks, maybe not as serious as, as we think it sounds. Um, well, remember, Neymar broke his back in the world cup, right? He yeah. broke a, a, a bone in his back uh, from that tackle, I think against Germany or, or someone, I forget. Um, but Again, this is you know uh, a player that you'd want to be coming in and be healthy with the injury bug at, at TFC the way it is. It's a big, big concern. I would have, I think, raised a red flag for a knee injury versus a back. I think, I think he's going to be okay in terms of this uh, injury history. Um, and just looking at Gremio's form last season, uh, they came sixth in the uh, top league in Brazil with a, a goal. Uh, against total of 40 which sits pretty pretty top top three i think in the league so uh means they were uh quite good uh, in a back line actually yeah absolutely certainly a number you like to see uh and yeah other than that one injury that we just pointed out not much popping up in terms of his injury history which i think is probably promising um interesting and another thing about him is he's still in the provisional team for uh argentina with the Copa America approaching. So obviously still of decent quality to be getting looks from the Argentina national team, which is uh, certainly encouraging. Uh, so yeah, definitely interesting there. Uh, certainly a signing that I would love if it were to happen. Um, but you know, you'll, you can only take so much from, from what you see on Twitter these days. Am I right? That's it. And it's amazing to see, you know, if, if it's connected to the fact that we just signed a player from a Brazilian club and they're just trying to put the two together. 
Um, so we will see. Nothing confirmed yet. Uh, moving on from, you know, we always love the Toronto FC uh, transfer talk. We will discuss briefly. We already kind of talked about it in our match preview. Uh, the Jefferson Soltado debut. Um, you know, everything pointing to him being eligible to make his debut Tuesday night. Uh, what do you think about that, Cam? Um, it, I can't wait. <laughs> I am absolutely buzzing to see Soteldo. Soteldo? Soteldo. Soteldo. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, excited to see his, 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 you know, his first few steps in a TFC jersey. A lot of people were tuned into him listening to Spanish music in his hotel room on social media. I was not one of them, uh, but <laughs> it's exciting to see that he's settled in. He's here and he's ready to, to make an immediate impact. Uh, I wonder what number he's going to take. I'm 30. Sure. He's going to get 30. 30. Uh, sounds like a yeah. hockey goalie. That's really weird. Yeah. Well, I don't but think he's born on June 30th. That's what it is. Ah, there you go. Yeah. If I believe correctly, I saw, um, I want to say it was, it was one of the fine gentlemen and, uh, sorry, one of the fine people from waking the red, uh, who I believe put that out. So kudos to them, uh, always giving us the best information possible. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's intriguing to see him being a, being eligible so early. Um, you know, only been about a week and a half since we, since we really locked it up. Uh, and it's, it's kind of still one of those question marks we were mentioning about what's going to happen Tuesday night against Cruz Azul. He could be an immediate game changer and we don't know it yet. So certainly interesting. I'm very excited and hope he can at least play a little bit, uh, against a really high quality opponent like Cruz Azul. It'll be a great test to see him, uh, um, uh, make a first impression. Now, just on that topic, in terms of uh, first impressions, um, Ben, I guess I'll catch you off guard with this question. Who do you think had the best um, debut in club history? Oh, that's a really good one. As much as I as I as I dread him, uh, it would have to be probably Jermaine Defoe. You know, his, his debut against the Seattle Sounders, he scored two goals, and one of them he created all on his own by intercepting a pass. Uh, to the back and and finished it. Two goals in his debut is pretty, uh, you know, hard to top that. What about yeah, you, Kim? So, so so impressive there. Uh, just to sort of come in with the bloody big deal and and kind of had this. And then oh, look how that. Oh went. my goodness, are we good now? <laughs> yeah. As a TFC fan, um, I I would have to agree that would probably be the most impactful and exciting debut. Um, but. Someone's going to probably correct me on this one, but the first time I thought I saw Pozuelo play, did he not bang two or? Yes, yes. Two two goals and I believe an assist. And uh, did he do a Panica on the first the first PK? The Penang- his first PK Penanca? that he took was a Panenka yeah. as well, that, yeah. And then he... That just sticks in my head. And that, then he that, later... Like... And then he later went on to uh, pull off that incredible chip of, of Sean Johnson and goal. And all I remember is Josie Altador standing behind the net with his hands on his head, just like, what happened? Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't be at that match, um, which which is, is is tough to tough pill to swallow. My dad was there though, and I remember getting the text updates from him. He was very happy. 
I might have grabbed him by the shoulder because I I was I was like, oh my gosh, did you see that? Did yeah. you see that? I was like, yes, yeah. Kevin, we're watching. It was <laughs> jaw dropping. I had to I had to post a photo of it afterwards. And if you go and Google uh, Pozuelo chip, uh, it's an amazing photo of Sean Jazzy kind of like looking up and the ball is like well over his head and he's so far out of the line. It's just a thing of beauty. It just really is. And so that debut just for me, like instantly go, well, that was a pretty impactful uh, uh, first game. And so, you know, maybe we can add to the history books here if so, if Soltedo uh, does something special. Uh, but we'll see. I'm, I'm optimistic. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, um, I don't know how I didn't think of the Pizuelo one right off the top of my head either. I mean, probably didn't help that I wasn't there, but so recent. I should, I should absolutely pin that one. And I think the one that makes that more special too is, you know, you look at Defoe's uh, debut, you knew what Defoe was, right? Everybody in Toronto FC circle, fan, you know, they, they follow English football or world football to some capacity. So they either saw Defoe play with Tottenham or, or play with Sunderland or, or sorry, uh, not Sunderland. Um, he went to Sunderland after. But uh, or with the English national team. Right. So we all kind of knew what Defoe could be. Nobody knew too much about Pozuelo coming over from Belgium. Right. So for him to just make a immediate impact like that was really incredible. Um, so if you're listening and you think someone else uh, in TFC yeah, please, history had a better debut, give us. send it along to us and we'd love to hear. Yeah, no, that'd be terrific. Those are just the the, the two that I can remember off the top of my head i'm sure there might be some from earlier back right like torsten frings or uh, Dwayne Di rosario but certainly let us know um we'll move into our uh question area now where we got another you know quite a few questions from our listeners which we always really appreciate hit us with anything you want uh we love getting all the questions uh whether it's tfc whether it's uh other soccer related right uh we love it all um, so first questions from Kenny and he says, where do we think Sotato, uh, fits best in the lineup? Um, I'll start with this one, Cam. I think from everything that we've seen from him, his, his natural position, or at least with, uh, with Santos seemed to be left wing playing on that left side. Um, so I think we have a need there with, when you look at who we've had playing in those spots. Um, so I would think it stays at left wing and I think that's a good fit, but I also think, you know, you don't know what's going to happen with Josie and Akinola in terms of their health. I think you could probably move it up to, you know, a central striker role and, and fit really well as well. What about you? We're typically running four, two, three, one, um, looking at, you know, a healthy TFC team, you assume that, Pozuelo takes that central role uh, Oso played last game and you'd push him wide with uh, Delgado and, and and Osorio there backed up by Bradley and a defensive midfielder. So whether you move Delgado back into that defensive midfield and you push Osorio wide and then introduce Soltado there, I, I think that's the most natural fit on that, that attacking left wing. Um, and I said before, Schaffelberg would be the one now being relegated to the bench. Um, being one of the, I think, more mobile players we've had to the start of the season, you might see Schaffelberg um, try and work his way in. But 
uh, obviously the DP takes the priority here. And so um, I think a <clears throat> four-man midfield of Bradley Delgado, um, Pazuelo, uh, Soltado, and Osorio, most likely. I'll throw up top, but uh, Altador's health is the biggest question mark um, on the team. And right now, so is his performances. Uh, so I'd love to see one of our, our diminutive uh, players slide into the top there and work as a sort of false nine and pivot point. Um, see what see what comes of it. Yeah, certainly. I think the same could kind of be said for when we brought in Sebastian Jovinko as a comparison, right? He was more of a winger type player before coming to Toronto FC. And then we started playing him in that central forward role and, and obviously made quite an impact. So uh, I'd have no issues if, if Sotato took on the same role, right? Another point, uh, Ben, I just love to make is um, even he, reading some interviews with Sotato, um, he likes his size being that he's pretty much a square yeah. Right? He's a pretty Low center big, gravity boy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you look at some of the ways um, Geo used to turn players and get inside them and, and play off them. He drew a lot of fouls, the top of the box, you know, we can, you know, fingers crossed. We can, we can do that again and have someone to hit them as well. <laughs> Cause right now we don't. Um, but yeah, I think that would be a great opportunity just to have a bit more hold up play and give our, our, our legs a break. Every time we've pressed forward this season, it, we turn it over and there's no, real chance to, to keep them penned in their own half. That transition ball against these Mexican sides has been terrifying. Heck, even against Montreal and Vancouver, the transition ball was the most terrifying thing. So holding the ball up top of the, uh, of the, um, the, the opponent's half is going to be key. So I'd love to see that uh, be done. Absolutely. Yeah, still a lot of questions about what uh, where Sotato fits exactly. We know he's going to play a huge role in this team. There's no question about that. But uh, where exactly he will be on the pitch is still up in the air. And uh, I think we're all, I can speak for all Toronto FC fans when we say we're, uh, we can't wait for, for what he's about to show us. Uh, moving on to the next one, David asks, uh, top three memorable goal celebrations. And I'm not sure if that refers to like specific goals that were scored in the celebration that, that followed or like players in their, in their trademark uh, goal celebrations. But I think we're just going to go with a general, like memorable goal that had a, had a terrific celebration. So Cam, what, uh, what's like one or two you were thinking, and I prepared three for myself that are my three favorites, but we'll, we'll start with, with coming up with a three amongst us. Mm-hmm. Uh, two or, or I, I think immediately come to mind for me. The first being Josie's goal uh, in March of 2017, uh, bangs a goal against Vancouver, promptly jogs to the um, advertising boards, and there is a, a woman there who just gives him the finger, and Josie just shrugs at her, and a, a photographer snapped that photo. And it's one of my favorite. It's not like a big boisterous celebration. It's not even a video. It's just a photo. And it just makes me so happy that someone's flipping him off and so angry, and Josie's just like, Eh, what are you going to do? Sorry. It, it just makes me so happy. And I think it's quite an iconic photo now. So that would be uh, one of them that I, I really love. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the one that first pops to my mind is a goal against Atlanta on decision day. Uh, the year we won the MLS cup uh, where Altador scores and then goes to celebrate in the corner and a fan throws a I think what was close to a full beer on the pitch at the players celebrating 
most of the beer had fallen out at the time, obviously, but Sebastian Javinko proceeded to go pick it up uh, down what was left and then uh, toss the cup back towards, not into the crowd, but towards in that direction. And uh, that one killed me. I, I thought that Iconic. was so funny. And Atlanta fans on Twitter after were, were complaining and griping about uh, him like getting suspended or fined or something for for him doing that. It's like, come on, that's that's enough. Come on, they got embarrassed in their own house, yes. right? That's yeah, what it well, is. I mean, we drew the match, but it's <laughs> come on, grow up. Yeah, then don't throw your beers at people. Yeah. Right? I think some Toronto fans in, in Jays games learned that hard lesson. Don't throw your beers on the field. Just drink them. Yeah, just drink them. They're not cheap. $16 for a beer at BMO Field certainly isn't something I want to be throwing uh, onto the pitch. Uh, do you have another one, another celebration that comes to mind? I certainly do. Uh, 2016 uh, season opener, 89th or 88th minute Giovinco penalty. Uh, I was at a viewing party um, actually in an Ontario place. Um, and we were all there together, you know, last minute PK, obviously Gio steps up to it and it's almost a guaranteed goal for these because he's just so clinical uh, from the spot. Bangs the goal in and doesn't he kickstart a Vespa? <laughs> off he a, goes. Yeah, that's a good and it, one. it kicked off an amazing kind of meme. Like, what was that? Why did he do that? Turns out it came from an Italian um, like news anchor or like interviewer uh, that he did at Young Dundas Square. And he said, oh, what I think you should do when you celebrate is kickstart a Vespa. And so she's like, okay, I can do that. <laughs> and goes ahead and does it to, to start the season. Uh, so iconic. FIFA put it in a uh, game. The, the year later yeah. so you could do it like we're talking about iconic you know celebrations of these world stars and our our geo got to do that so i, I think that's got to be included in one of the top goal celebrations yeah another one he had this isn't one of my one of my favorites but i think another one he had later that season was he went and ran and pretended to like swing a golf club mm. and fifa put that one in the game as well so that's a fun one yeah, the um, golf one is always good. Yeah, I like the one, the stirring up uh, when That's, the Jays are going a classic uh, too. down yeah. the playoffs and Gio mm. would score right to the fans, stir it up. Oh, chills. Uh, my second one, I think, would be our 2018 Concacaf run, uh, the second leg against Tigris in Mexico. Uh, we went scored a goal that kind of put the icing on the cake, and again, wasn't him that scored the goal. But Osorio's in the corner and in the little team scrum, you know, as they're all celebrating and hugging and whatnot. And then it's just Osorio giving a it's over. It's over. It's over. Yeah. Yeah. Right to the fans in Mexico. I, I love that one. Yeah. He went he went full Toronto man's on that one. Yeah, big time. <laughs> big time. Do you have a third one, Kim? it's tough to pick one exact moment after those two, I think are the biggest. I know the question asked for three. Uh, so I, I will give one more. And I think it's more about the goal uh, than anything for Giovinco when he uh, cut between the two uh, New York Red Bull players and scored in the South end and ran towards us after the goal. And I think that clinched us the supporters shield. Um, uh, and it was just, Against the Red Bulls. That yeah, was, yeah, that goal, I believe, clinched us our first playoff spot. 
that was in 2015. Yeah, apologies. Yeah. I knew it was an iconic moment for, for some mm-hmm. reason. I know it's near the end of the game. Uh, he just goes past two, goes past a third, cuts back, and then just bangs in the far corner and immediately to the fans in the corner. And that's when he was stirring it up. That's the one. So he's stirring it up, uh, and we're just going absolutely bonkers for it. And so I think that's probably one of my favorite, just because that, that really began the rise of um, power. For, for TFC when when we uh, clinched the playoff spot there. Yeah, and I think one of the all-time goals in, in franchise history, too. That goal and that's it. I think that leads more so than the celebration. Incredible just how goal. good the goal is. But yeah. uh, that's where the, the stir-up thing came up. So one that just popped into my mind as we started talking about this that I forgot to mention that I think would precede the one I originally had. So the, the, the third actual one that I will say is, uh, I believe, two seasons ago against or no it was last season i think against montreal in montreal josie altador goes scores a free kick runs right in front of montreal's ultras and just the be quiet stands right in front of them stands there this finger over his lips that one, that's an iconic one. I completely forgot about that. I don't know how I didn't include that originally. And then I do have an honorable mention. I believe you were at this game as well, Cam. This was uh, the first time Toronto FC played in Ottawa against the Ottawa Fury. So not the night where we blew up a drum, but uh, the year previous, I believe. Um, we ended up losing the match 2-1 and the team that we that we fielded was wasn't anything spectacular by any means but we uh, a bunch of us Toronto FC supporters there's probably about a thousand of us close to at least 700 or so we're right pitch side um, at uh, TD place in Ottawa and we scored our first goal Benoit Sheru scores and they all came right in front of us knocked over the electric um, the electronic advertisement boards and Jay Chapman is right in there with us. You know, they're all, we're all hugging them and, and they're right there. That was a very cool one. That was, that was a lot of fun. That, uh, that away trip. Oh, certainly is. Again, we'll have to, we'll have to go and explore all the away days that, that uh, people's stories have. Uh, but if you've got a belief that there's another goal celebration out there that we maybe missed, Send it along and we'll share the story. Absolutely. And our last question comes from Nikos. And he asks us, what is our favorite TFC jersey of all time? And what is uh, what do we feel is the worst Toronto FC jersey of all time? Now, Cam, did you want to do a, a best home and a best away? Or do you want to do just a best home in general or just a best jersey in general, worst in general? Let's let's you know, bring up a debate here. So I want sure. best home and away, and then okay. worst home and away. Okay, sure. Um, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll kick this one off. So my my favorite home jersey. Um, this one's interesting. I lo- I really liked the ones they wore back in you know 2013, 2014, where it had kind of the imprint. Belief the imprint of the maple leaf in the middle mm-hmm. and that really cool watermark kind of design. I loved those red ones. Um, and then I think my favorite away one, which I think would also take my money for 
uh, best Toronto FC jersey ever is the Onyx uh, away jersey from from 2014 and 2015. What about you, Kim? No debate on the Onyx. I think the fan base has been starved for an Onyx again. So I, I feel like we have to put it in its own category. It's like the Onyx away or, you know, third kit. Like that's, I think, an all-time classic. Um, so outside of the Onyx, uh, I did like the 2018 special, the all blacked out Jersey. I think the Parley Jersey was fun, but, um, we, we should pick one white Jersey, uh, or at least a secondary, uh, away that isn't Onyx. So I'm going to say that I, I think the, um, 2010, 2011 jerseys were, were interesting. Uh, I, I liked the idea of that sort of gray collar, uh, crisp white clean kit, uh, I never owned one, so maybe that's why I'm always like, ah, I wish I'd gotten one of them. So I think those two would be my my second place in terms of the away. In terms of home, I got to argue on this one with you because, you know, these, this podcast needs a bit of drama. <laughs> the Maple Leaf imprint. We're not Canada's team. Why should our team jersey look like Team Canada? I don't like that. I, I think we should be Toronto first and that's what that jersey should represent hell give us a cn tower in the middle of our chest i don't care but you know that that's it should be more tied to the city versus canada as a whole it's not like it's the the mlb and the the blue jays as canada's team we have other canadian teams and i think this is a bit um nationalistic for my approach so just just one man's opinion okay um happy happy to hear everyone debate about it um and i'm more uh simplistic on the tfc jerseys the uh the old vintage you know 27 uh sorry 2007 2008 even into the 2009 eras just they, they were old school and i'm not sure i like the lines on the shoulders um and then we got that sort of new look with the gray sleeves and the gray sleeves i think i like they did draws my eye in but i'm just a simple guy so 2015 2016 that crisp clean red it's probably my favorite bit yeah. boring for some, but I really like just that crisp, bright red shirt. It just let the league know that we're the red team. We're the best. We're the Reds. Here we come. Uh, just a complete dominating jersey. So I, I really like that one uh, personally for that. Yeah, I like that one too. I That was that was certainly in the conversation for me, the 2015-16 uh, plain red one. I like that they've got like the, the kind of watermark um, pinstripes in it too. Yeah. Um, Subtle detail, right? Subtle detail was a long way with those. Yeah, absolutely. Um, An honorable mention for for a white away one, I guess, for me would be the 2016, 2017 away with like that blue stripe. I really liked uh, that. I know it was controversial. uh, Blizzard, I guess. Yeah. Natural Croatia. I know there was a lot of people that didn't really like having the blue on the jersey. I loved it. I thought it was very cool. I have Will Johnson on the back. You, you want to be careful with, with you know, using um, your rival's colors in any jersey. Um, and I just didn't want it to get lost on people of, like, why did they do it? Uh, so if you don't know the story behind that jersey, just look at Metro Croatia as a, as a like, legendary uh, professional football team in Toronto. Um, I believe the, I, I think, I believe the actual ode of it was to the, tr- was to the Toronto Blizzard. But I also um, yeah. wouldn't be surprised if the Metro's Croatia were, were involved in that. Yeah, you look at the old jerseys and stuff like that. Like they they were the original champions. 
right? They were the yeah. first, like mm-hmm. they near the NASL is where they kind of competed. Um, and we had Eusebio, the Portuguese legend, right? Like that's yeah. kind of where Toronto's legacy of, of professional football lies. And you definitely see very strong Croatian flag notes in that Jersey. But the, I, like I grew up hearing about the blizzard from my dad. So you're certainly right that the Toronto blizzard is, is another sort of legendary, football club in Toronto's history. Uh, and if anyone looks up those old jerseys, I would love to get my hands on one of these, like just old school, all white with red sleeves. Um, sorry, all white with blue sleeves. Apologies. Uh, very vintage. Uh, very, very cool. Um, so the, the, there's a nice little touch of history in that Jersey and that should be celebrated more than anything. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in terms of worst home kit for me, uh, I need to go with the uh, second home jersey that we ever had, the 2009-2010 with like the the gray kind of trim with the white stripe, white three stripes on top of gray. I don't even know how to describe it. And then a floppy collar. I really didn't like those at all. I, I really don't like those. Um, well, it's because you've got the collar with no buttons. So the collar's just bouncing around doing its own thing. It, it You have nothing kind of giving it any strength or support. Like at least those, the, the, the white jersey that year with the gray collar, you had buttons. So it stayed put. This one's kind of just doing its own thing, had a mind of its own. I, I really didn't like those ones. Uh, worst. Now for me. It, we only wore it once. I really didn't like those, uh, that first edition Parley kit, the the black and, and or like the gray and white. Uh, I, I wasn't a fan of those. What do you think? I like the black. I think I mentioned that before. I, I just like dark kits. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's the goalkeeper in me. And I know as you a goalkeeper, we just see different things. Um, worst away don't kill me is the current jersey i do not like this away jersey the three stripes in the corner like it's not tfc's fault i think it's it's adidas's fault this league is just you know it's a, a it's one, become very cookie cutter producer league it's so cookie cutter yeah it's like this oh it's like nod to american football the nfl i don't know i don't like the three stripe uh shoulder and it looked like the the the, the lines are supposed to be the fabric on a boot not for me. So for sure, the 2020, 2021 away kit is, is for me, my least favorite. And then for home, um, I'm, <laughs> I was going to say 2013, 2014, but I've already talked about the, 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 the flag uh, or the leaf, I should say. Uh, so I'm going to agree with you. 2009, 2010 floppy colors were bad. They look like it's floppy like the coach colors. shirt. It's like the sh- the shirt you really see is. someone on the on the, really the sidelines wearing to it's watch the like, game. So it's kind of like the one that if you volunteer to coach, it's like the cheap twenty dollar polo that they'll give you if you volunteer, right? It's kind of just like oh here's something, but it's really like I'm never gonna wear this. <laughs> I would love to see uh, I'd love to see Anaria make a jersey for TFC. You oh, know, a local goodness. producer. Yeah. Um, I, I know the designer there. I've seen them produce some pretty cool jerseys, and I think that's what you know we should we should do for a local city. But I know the league would never do that. So maybe maybe the Red Patch Boys can get a jersey from from Anaria. Maybe we'll see. But that would be very um, cool. I know. Um, I'm sorry to cut you off, Cam. Go. Oh, okay. I'll let you finish your thought before I close up. 
No, I was just going to say, if if you think me and uh, Ben got it wrong, and you think you've got an opinion on what the best home and away and worst home and aways are, uh, send us to uh, the uh, Instagram page or jump in the uh, the forums and, and give us a note, and we'll uh, we'll see if we got our picks right or wrong. Again, it's all opinionated, but hey, this is what we want. We want drama. Absolutely, yeah, and I love these questions this week. A lot of uh, being able to look back at some of our. Uh, favorite and least favorite aspects of, of Toronto FC over the years, right? Whether it's goal celebrations or, or, or jerseys. So I love these questions and certainly taking a trip down memory lane as well with, uh, with looking at the engraved on a nation. Um, one thing we were talking about, you were mentioning uh, Anaria kits. Uh, we were talking about possible merchandise ideas for the Red Patch Boys. I know we certainly want to start getting our presence out there a little more with uh, with merchandise and a lot of ideas coming out. Um, I know we all love our own types uh, types of merchandise, whether it's a classic T-shirt or a uh, or a nice little flashy bucket hat. You never know. So let us know if you have any merchandise ideas. Shoot it to me or Cam. Or to uh, to the Red Patch Boys, we really uh, want to hear your input there and uh, what you might want to buy if uh, if the Red Patch Boys were to put it out in the merchandise. Uh, before we start to wrap up, Cam, is there anything uh, you wanted to leave with? Uh, I think it's been great uh, reminiscing uh, today uh, with you, Ben. It's it's fun looking at these moments of, of history and goals and jerseys. Uh, but bright future ahead for the club. Uh, looking forward to the return leg um, and what comes of it next. So I'm full of excitement. Yeah. I'm really hoping they can maybe surprise us and make, uh, make a leg of it uh, come Tuesday night. I know we've had, you know, our spots where we've, we've, they've surprised us. So hopefully they can uh, pull off a little more magic like that on Tuesday night. As always, Cam, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, this has been the, 10th episode of the red patch boys podcast once again we want to thank you for for all the support you've given us over the last you know month and a half two months that we've started doing this we've had a lot of fun with it and uh we're glad that uh we can help you uh you know stay a little bit entertained during these tough times it certainly means a lot to us to hear all the kind words and support and interaction that we're getting so thank you for that um Match recap coming again Tuesday night following Toronto FC and Cruz Azul, the second leg of the CONCACAF Champions League uh, quarterfinal. Uh, Depending on the result, that episode could be out uh, Wednesday morning, bright and early. If TFC surprises us and pulls off some magic, I wouldn't expect that to be out there till maybe Wednesday evening because God only knows how I'll be feeling the following morning if you guys catch my drift. Uh, Cam, I'm certain, I imagine you could probably relate to me there. Of course, ten fifteen <laughs> kickoff. It's a late one. It's a yeah. late one. Set your clocks. Maybe get that afternoon nap in uh, to bring all the energy because uh, I'll be jumping up and down if if anything kicks off the way we want it to. Certainly. So we look forward to that Tuesday night. Uh, as always, thank you for listening. This has been the official Red Patch Boys podcast, the tenth episode. And come on, you're right. <laughs>